Welcome back. This is Reverend Cage Marple, and I am the public pro-lifer. Well, forgive me today for kind of winging this because a lot of times in um, pro-life ministry, you'll see and hear things that want to bounce back and forth, um, being very accusatory of people such as myself who call themselves pro-life. And I am pro-life. Our ministry is pro-life. Now, some pro-lifers are excellent fundraisers. Uh, no, not so much on the sidewalk or uh, doing much more than that, really, just fundraising, um, such as here in my state, Ohio Right to Life is very good at fundraising and forcing uh, people who want endorsements, who are uh, in the election process, uh, says, um, we will endorse you if you do this, this, and this, and believe this, this, and this. In other words, uh, they are not about complete abolition. We learned that during the 10 years it took to get the heartbeat bill passed. And suddenly, in the absolute last hour of the entire process, suddenly Ohio Right to Life is on board. Well, that's just crap. They're, they are not 100% pro-life. I don't really understand how in the world you can't be when you're supposed to be advocating to save unborn lives, all of them, through as much excellent legislation as you can because it took legislation to make it legal. So we have to use the tools that we have in order to make that illegal again. Wow, that's kind of a chase your tail moment. But yes, that's about what it's going to take. So as I was watching uh, a friend of mine in his podcast, uh, Mark Harrington from Created Equal, um, he was speaking with somebody uh, that had to do with um, abolition and pro-life and how they really can be uh, the same thing, obviously, if done right. And, uh, uh, you know, obviously, when it comes to uh, relatable things like this, um, they uh, the opposition loves to um, hijack certain words to lead you to believe something else rather than what you really are. In other words, the word pro-life. Pro-life is exactly that. You are pro-life, you know, life in order to live, to stay alive, to not die or to be illegally killed. We are pro-life. But some people, you know, are not so much, but they hijack the word. So, you know, we're kind of like a, a band of people without a country, kind of. Um, but anyways, let me get back to this. I was reading some of the comments uh, regarding his show Yesterday, which I thought, by the way, was an excellent show. Uh, he had, I believe, uh, Hester Douglas Wilson. Uh, I think he wrote a book regarding this issue, which I am going to purchase, by the way. And so I'll just kind of go through the comments quickly. An abolitionist, one of those, you know, super principled, you know, abolition only people started commenting. How do you both feel about abolition? Did Moses have the resources to leave Egypt? 
And then, you know, just goofy things. Their men are so big, they make us look like grasshoppers. I mean, I, I'm not understanding that. I just thought it was actually pretty funny. Apparently, I missed something there. <laughs> but anyways, how should we encourage our local and state magistrates? By the way, they love the word magistrate. To submit to God in light of immoral federal overreach from the Supreme Court. Also, saying that abolitionists are incrementalists because they are okay with abolishing abortion within the borders of Oklahoma or Idaho, while not yet in New York or on a federal level, is akin to asking someone, is saying to someone is a bad parent because their next door neighbor's kid is undisciplined. I mean, this is the kind of silliness that they keep, you know, puking up. And um, they believe which is great. Don't get me wrong. I mean, we, we need, um, uh, more, um, 100% Christians, you know, it's such as I am 100% pro-life. I am also 100% Christian. Some people really are not, they are Christian when they need to be, or a little bit here, a little bit there. But if you are a 100% Christian, 100% pro-life person, you want people getting into office who, uh, are going to, have the values they said that they do and vote that way and present bills, you know, that are according to our standards and beliefs. Because I assure you, liberals are doing the same thing on their side. So that being said, obviously we want people who believe in abolishing abortion to be elected and to continue working through the system to get complete abolition. However, what abolitionists tend to forget is that it's not just up to the people who are presenting bills and passing bills. This also has to do with judges, has to do with your local judges and then the federal judges. And it goes on and on and on because someone's going to be right there no matter how legal your bill is that got passed especially with abortion, they're going to say no to it and they're going to shut it down and send it on to the next level. And so that being said, there is literally no way to have complete magic wand abolition of abortion ever. That is never going to happen. Everything is incremental. We have to use the system in which it is already set up for. We can't undo that. We can't undo the law that has already passed until better laws come along. And we have people who are actually going to stand by these laws and continue until it goes to the Supreme Court if it has to go that far. It's really incredible just how short-sighted these dyed-in-the-wool abolitionists are and who they will support in order to get there. Um, obviously, we're going to be having a governor's race here uh, in Ohio. And uh, there's a man, I'm not even going to say his name, because I just, uh, this guy is a classless bully who automatically thumped a person who finally got the heartbeat bill passed after 10 years. And why was that? Because he says it's not pro-life. Why isn't the heartbeat bill pro-life? It's supposed to save at least 96% of unborn children. 
it's really close to 100%. It's just that you have to weigh, you know, the this and that with it, obviously, particularly pill abortions being so prevalent right now. And he just was just saying how not pro-life she was and that it was crap and, and on and on. And it became kind of a, you know, a little bit of a uh, uh, <laughs> kind of lobbying, uh, you know, bad things at each other kind of a thing. And honestly, this guy was completely wrong. I mean, I, I get where he thought he was coming from, but this guy is being, um, uh, he's, he's, he's followed by a bunch of abolitionists who want an abolitionist as a governor, which is great. You know, let's get a real abolitionist in there as governor. But what happens is he's, he still is not the law of the land. They are not understanding that even after all that has gone on with COVID and with all of the fake laws that DeWine tried to pull, along with other governors all across the United States, you would think that they would know that the governor doesn't have the pull that everybody thinks that he or she does. So it's just really kind of ridiculous. It's it's gotten out of hand. Uh, and an abolitionist, uh, more often than not, and I do know a couple that don't, and I will say that, uh, but more often than not, they will publicly berate you and, and, and embarrass you and bully you without a second thought. And these are people who are trying to save unborn lives. Like, you, you don't care about the ones that are born. What is up with that? So it's like, you know, pick a freaking team, you know, just, just pick a team and, and, and go with it. And so, um, uh, the other thing I wanted to speak about today too, is kind of a cool thing. Um, I have often said, I am not the best sidewalk counselor at all. I'm just not. And I think a lot of it has to do with my past uh, abortion. And um, even after all these years, there's still, you know, some suppressed anger with that. And, um, but there's also a lot of love toward the post-abortive because I, I get it. You know, I'm there, you know, even after 40 plus years, I still get it. And so, uh, um, when it comes to being on the sidewalk, my particular position, literal position when I'm there, is to, uh, if someone wishes to speak to someone who has had an abortion, that I'm absolutely 1000% more than willing to talk to them about the procedure and what it has done to my life. And uh, we start the ball rolling there regarding uh, this mom's consideration of abortion. So what really freed me in, in, in saying, you know, we, we sidewalk counsel, we sidewalk counsel. I, we have counselors down there. Don't get me wrong. And they're very, very good at what they do. And they're incredibly loving and decent and have real options and, uh, and not, not just strong opinions, you know, you shouldn't get an abortion, which you shouldn't, but they have so much love within them to speak to each and every woman and their companions with absolute respect and love. I'm still learning. 
So anyways, what I was saying that actually freed me uh, with that is um, uh, we've all heard about rescues in the pro-life movement. Um, the traditional rescue is where you actually go onto private property and block the entrances to keep people from, keep um, pre-abortive moms from going in to essentially stop business for the day and stay there until the police come and you're either arrested or whatever. Um, the Red Rose Rescue is different. If you're able to access uh, the building at all, um, the one that I'm, I live near, you cannot access the building at all. Um, and what they do is they actually go in with, with real red roses um, and sit down and talk to the mom um, about real options very lovingly. There's no outbursts. There's no yelling, screaming. There's no uh, blocking of anything. It's just sitting down and having a one-on-one -on -one conversation that may last 10 seconds or 10 minutes until obviously the police come. And then here is the third thing, which is actually my wheelhouse, sidewalk rescue. And what that is essentially is that on the sidewalk, it's sort of like a like a community of people. And you're you'll have um, uh, preachers, which, you know, we love that's on one side of uh, where you know, our logistics are different than everybody else's. We have a driveway where they go in and out. We have uh, the counseling on one side, um, preaching on the other. And then on the other, on top of that is um, street uh, ministries, such as people with large signs and things like that. So with sidewalk rescue, that's where, you know, when people are reaching out, you know, uh, asking them if they need help, what is your immediate need? What can we do for you today to keep you from going in there? Would you like to see a free ultrasound of your child? Would you like to have another person's opinion? You would get a second opinion if you were getting any other surgery, things like that. Um, and I really enjoy um, the sidewalk rescue part of it because that is what we are doing is rescuing. So let me give you a, kind of an idea of how biblical this is. Uh, I'll just kind of read from what I posted in keeplifelegal.com. Um, sidewalk rescue is the new sidewalk counseling. Don't be confused. It's not going into private property or shutting down the mill. Uh, and I've already mentioned that part. But to answer the question, yes, traditional sidewalk rescues are biblical. They are. Uh, it's just that it's on private property, which makes it illegal to a point, but legal in the eyes of God. I'll let me put it that way. Um, but in the New Testament, if you read your Bible, and I hope that you do, in the New Testament is written in the Greek and the word sozos, that's uh, S-O-Z-O-S. And in the Strong's, if you have a Strong's concordance, it's uh, G4982, if you want to look that up. And it means to save, keep safe and sound, to rescue from danger or destruction, from injury or peril, to save a suffering one from perishing, to preserve one who was in danger of destruction, to save or rescue. The Greek word sozos is in the New Testament, King James Version, over a hundred times. And it's in every gospel and in 15 epistles. Rescuing is the business and calling of every Christian. This is why sidewalk ministry and sidewalk rescuing is critical and reasonable. 
And then, you know, I was trying to appease people with this scenario. Have you ever rescued or a wanted cat or dog from a shelter? Of course not, because they're unwanted. They were taken there for a reason. These dogs and cats were not wanted and were left at a place that may or may not kill them simply for being unwanted. Unwanted cats and dogs have a 100% chance of being euthanized in a kill shelter. However, in a no-kill shelter, unwanted cats and dogs will be given a place to sleep and food to eat for as long as it takes for the perfect family to find them and adopt them. So in this scenario, rescue equals adoption. Very few very few people will take their unwanted pets to a kill shelter because it isn't, what? Humane. A humane treatment of animals. Keeping that in mind, consider the humane treatment of human people. Even born people aren't necessarily protected by law, and sometimes born humans are passed on to nursing homes, foster care, orphanages, when no one wants to care for them, even though those places can be dangerous to their health and general well-being. But few die as a result of their placement, no matter how cruel it is. But is it humane? I don't think so. <laughs> I'm sure you don't think it is either. Unwanted, unborn humans have a 100% chance of being aborted because of law. 100% chance. Because, oops, because there's no laws protecting all unborn humans from abortion murder. In real terms, about 20% of unborn children uh, are aborted. Interestingly, those same 20% choosing not to give birth to their living unborn baby will go to a no-kill mill shelter for their dogs and cats because it is, what? It's humane. Conversely, there is a no-kill shelter for unborn humans. It's crisis pregnancy centers. And wow. Do pro boards love to attack this one? They call them uh, uh, fake clinics, you know, but I'm pretty sure a rescued human baby would call it, you know, humane, a humane thing to do for human people whose lives are in jeopardy, you know, to die. <laughs> I mean, what do you not get about that pro boards? Seriously. When unborn humans go to a kill shelter, the abortion mill, there is nearly 100% chance they will die unless they are rescued. Simply, unless they are rescued. The sidewalk is the last chance an unborn baby has to be rescued. The public sidewalk is the line between good and evil, life and death. Pro-aborts can whine about sidewalk rescuing and ministry all they want. But if their life depended on it, they would see the benefit of the efforts of people they have never met who love them enough to save their lives. This ain't rocket science, friends. It's about life and death. I don't care about your laws. And you know what? God's not okay with unborn people killing as a law. So, in order to save lives until we have abolition, we need to rescue as many as we can because that's all we've got. And even, which is horrible to think about, even if, let's just say abolition happened today, kaboom, it happened. No more legal baby killing. But there's still going to be people who are still going to get uh, abortion pills and whatever. Because 
there is no one there to talk to them, to counsel with them, to get a second opinion with them. And that's just going to be, I mean, murder of born people is not legal, (laughs) but people still murder people. So keeping that in mind, open your eyes, see it for what it is. Abortion kills unborn human people and it is inhumane. While pro-aborts and liberals will run past an unborn human baby's life that's in jeopardy to save a dog that's in the middle of the street. That is some upended ethics. That is not okay. So to answer everybody's questions, here we are. Abortion is still unfortunately legal. Uh, God is not okay with it. Rescues are biblical and if done correctly, legal um, to a point, obviously. And as, as far as abolitionists are, con- are considered, I mean, you can berate me all you want. You can try to debate me all you want, but you are not getting past me with your rhetoric. It is garbage. You have to work together as a community of believers in order to get this thing done. And if you can't do that, then you need to look within yourselves and you may have to go back to the altar and ask for forgiveness and repent. And that is coming from the reverend. So here we are. It is a lovely day outside. Most abortion mills are open today. I suggest you find one close to you. Get with the community there. Pray. Counsel if you want or whatever their thing is. Every abortion mill's um, uh, community is different. Everybody's different. Ours, you know, we can't wait to have you. We can't wait to talk to you and let you know what's going on and how we do things and uh, and go from there. So why don't you do that? Why don't you find something, uh, find some people in your community who do this thing and help them. They really do need you. Well, thanks again for coming by today. We love you. Pray for us. We'll pray for you. And we will see you super soon (laughs) next time. The sun is out. I'm all giddy and everything. I'm Reverend Cage Marple, and I am the public pro-lifer.